on a little journey. We are traveling to the snowy Arctic landscape of Russia, February 1959. What discovery can be made there? Well, what we will discover is the possible truth about what happened to the nine hikers who were found dead in the Dyatlov Pass incident. My cousin Brian joins me tonight as we discuss the theories surrounding the untimely deaths of these young people. Was it an alien attack, a yeti, or something even more sinister? From what I've gathered, on the fourth night of the trek, Bad weather forces the hikers to seek refuge on the side of a mountain called Kolatsiakl, which translates to the Mountain of the Dead, and is a very dangerous and inhospitable area to be in because of the snow, low temperatures, and freezing winds. But they are forced to spend the night on the Death Mountain due to the storm And the rest is history. Now, I listened to the episode back a few times. And maybe we're thinking of this backwards. And I'd like to ask you, why did they even decide to go on this trip? Were they sent there for a reason? Who knows? My husband even thinks a flashbang might be involved. But hey, take a listen to the episode and send me a message on Instagram with your favorite theory. And a little bit of information, just doing some housekeeping here. My cousin Brian is now the host of the new Cleveland Schwill podcast. So if you'd like to check out the podcast or follow him on Instagram, I've included that information in the show notes. So this episode is going to be very interesting. 
I'm dying to know what you think. And bundle up, folks, because we are headed into the blizzard. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. you know where you are you are listening to the cosmic peach podcast the spooktacular continues with the halloween edition to the cosmic peach podcast and we are going to be talking about the doomed expedition and who do we have on tonight well we have on the new host of the Cleveland Schwill podcast, my very own cousin, Brian. How are you? Hey, what's up, Cosmic Peach listeners? And uh, it's nice to be back. It's going down because I have my theories, you have your theories, and the listeners have their own theories. Which yeah. which I think we're going to ruffle some feathers today. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm okay with that. Go ahead and and just tell me how stupid I am in the comments. I don't care. (laughs) No. So, all right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to just kind of break down the beginning and then I'm going to let you jump in. So what I have is a group of nine mountaineers embark on a winter trek into Russia's, I think it's pronounced earl mountains and their destination was a mountain called mount otorton it is in russia obviously and the locals call it otorton which is mansi for do not go there so In the group, there were three experienced engineers and the others were students. They were all young. The oldest of them was like 37. And get this, they had conducted other treks to this area. So this was not their first time. And Actually, most of them are highly experienced. Right, right. And they were successful in their previous treks. Yeah. So, but for reasons we will obviously be discussing this particular trek on February 1st, 1959, ended up in the deaths of all nine hikers. Brian, your thoughts. Okay. Well, let's talk about how the bodies were found and why it is so appealing to people, uh, especially because it's so confusing, you know. So one of the things we were going to debate, but this is what I have written down, is uh, the the tents were found cut from the inside open with provisions and things left behind when they when they ran out. Okay, when some of the bodies were found, they had high levels of radiation. One was missing a tongue. One was missing eyes. Uh, cuts. Some of the bodies were described as being found with such extreme trauma 
like blunt force type trauma that they knew a human being could not have done it. They were destroyed, these bodies. Um, what I have too is, you know, there was remnants of a fire. Some of the people were wearing the other one's clothes. Um, so it was interesting though, because they were very good about documenting while they were going, they took a lot of pictures and they wrote their family's postcards. And that's part of the reason why a search party ended up coming out anyway, because the post postcards stopped coming. I do know that the day that they were, uh, ended up at that pass, which a memorial now sits on and it's actually highly visited. A lot of people go there. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, there's like a memorial thing put up there. But the day that they were actually doing that trek, a horrible, this is completely documented, a horrible snowstorm came in, very high winds, extremely loud, and actually pushed them off course. And that's how they ended up over there. Because the course was not plotted through there. Yeah, I have that they ended up at a place called, they they set up camp uh, atop an area called Colot Siakle. Which translates to the mountain of the dead. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I did not. I don't know anything about that. Uh, And who knows if it got that name after the incident. I do know that some of that stuff, though, like local people knew you don't go there. Like, yeah, that's why it was called the do not go there mountain, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I do know that. Um, You know, it is interesting. The the tracks that they found like leaving the tents, none of them were wearing boots or shoes. It, they're either in socks or uh, barefoot. Yeah. One person's hand was found bitten. One, there's pieces of flesh found up in the trees. I mean, th- this was all, let me see if, if I... we're talking about, actually, while we're on that, if we're talking about how they were found... So this is what I have for my notes that I wanted to make sure I read to you and got and got your thoughts because I have something was obviously pushing them to run away without taking any clothing with them, no supplies, nothing. So it would appear to me that they were flighting and not fighting. So basically, they were found in what can be described as various states of mutilation, like some of them were burned, some of them suffered radiation poisoning. One, like you said, the tongue was missing. And someone said they looked prematurely aged, that their skin was literally orange and their hair had turned gray. Hmm. I didn't, I've never heard that. Yeah. I don't know that about that body. I don't know if that's something that could also have to do with high levels of radiation. Right, because one one of the theories was like maybe an animal got a hold of them. And then I saw someone try to debunk it and go, the area where they were in was so inhospitable that there wouldn't have been animals to like start eating them. I wouldn't completely rule out animals. I mean, animals are very resilient. They're smart. They know what they need to be doing. And like, they're not going to miss an opportunity to to take advantage of anything. You know, they don't have the McDonald's up the street. So if they're around and there's something there, <laughs> That they can eat and it's right there and not going to fight back. I wouldn't rule that completely out with the amount of time that passed between their deaths and then them being found, which we both have discrepancies on that we can get into later. 
Um, and I don't want to reveal all my stuff till the end of what I actually think happened. I think we could talk about some of the other theories. Yeah, let me uh, actually give you my gist of things then. Okay. Let me get this part out of the way because I feel like what I have is what most of our listeners are going to be like. Yeah, that's what happened. Okay. <laughs> then we, you can do yours and we'll just debate each other then. Okay. So basically I have the animal thing couldn't have happened because, but obviously it's like you said, if they're out there for a couple of days, I have that they were found 10 days later and they were in these various states of mutilation. And I also have that because the cold should have turned them into popsicles and preserved their bodies. Why were they found like this? Like I would think, and, and, and it's like, they're so hospitable. Let's just say there's no animals. The cold should have preserved the bodies. So you can't blame the cold or the animals. And I don't know if there was any radioactive animals that could do this. Unless yeah. the spider that bit Peter Parker was out there. But that's probably not the case. Okay, let's just rule that off. And basically, it doesn't stop there with like the orange coloration, the hair turning gray. Because three of them had injuries consistent with being hit by a speeding car but it was all internal like their ribs were crushed like eggshells some of them actually had shards of their ribs enter into their hearts but no effect on the skin it was all internal yeah right that's true i got the exact same thing yeah Mm -hmm. and this has been compared to a direct energy weapon crush the inside and leave the outside pristine and you thinking like government type stuff there yeah i'm thinking like direct energy weapon because basically the snow the trees everything else in the area was completely untouched but we have like three people with crush syndrome a lady with gray hair no eyes no tongue all this weird stuff orange skin yep and um Basically, the official explanation was that the nine died of hypothermia, but mm-hmm. the chief investigator never believed that was the cause of death and refused to sign off on the report. And instead, he completely resigned from the inquiry. And it's, it's their actual government explanation, which this is this is what leads to conspiracy theories. Let's face it, was basically is extremely vague. They weren't. There was not really any uh, leaked information, period. They, they, I mean, they basically left it up to interpretation. And, let, and, and when you do that, people are going to fill in the blanks. Absolutely. Whatever they, whatever they want, they're going to mm-hmm. fill a blank. They're going to fill the blank. That's where you get these. There's a, well, we can get into some of the other theories in a minute, but I'll, when you're ready, I, I can talk to, talk to you about them. They're kind of interesting. Let me just sum up the end and then we can get to Brian's interpretation. So basically I have like the local authorities try to cover the whole thing up. It was practically forbidden to mention it. And Mm -hmm. at the end, their bodies were buried in zinc coffins and they were closed coffins. So no one could see them. I looked into the whole zinc coffins thing and most websites, basically the information that I found said they use zinc coffin when they need like a really good seal 
on the coffin, which just kind of gave me the creeps. Like, what were they trying to seal in there? Like something coming off the corpses? Like, what is it? So there was enough of an investigation and enough people had seen the corpses to conclude that they were not being told the truth. For example, why were some of them with their skin completely orange? The crush syndrome thing, it was weird. So a lot of people say to this day, it's an unsolved murder. Um, And just to top it off, years later, after the event took place, members of the search party spoke out. And according to their testimony, at the time of the incident, strange orange spheres or orbs were seen floating in the sky the night of the hiker's death and even more locals from the area confirmed the sighting and according they were to- they were other people hiking and that that did happen yeah and the the mancy people like the local people that live over there they were like yeah mm-hmm. um and basically fiery spheres have been ever present in russia especially in the more desolate areas And locals know they exist, and it's basically just become a normal part of life for them. And to answer your question from earlier, according to an ancient Mansi legend, the Mountain of the Dead, where our nine hikers were mutilated, received its name after a similar incident took place in which nine Mansi men were also found dead while seeking salvation from a flood. Hmm. So I know that there was a river or a stream real real close to there. Yeah. So I guess that was like back in like ancient times so and that's where the legend came from. But my question to you is what would have compelled nine experienced mountaineers to flee their camp in their skivvies and bare feet and run for their literal lives? And what in the world could explain the type of damage they sustained? Brian. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let me go into a couple of the other uh, more conspiracy type theories, because there are some here that some people are going to want to hear mentioned, I think. Yeah. Okay, one, there is actually a photo that you can look up that was taken, and it was... Uh, we know we can confirm it's a real photo. They know it's not doctored; it's real. If you'd look it up, I'd say like Dyatlov Pass Yeti or whatever, mm. and taken there now. So this Yeti, it's it's one of those photos where it's more of like an outline of something in the background, and you're going to make your own interpretation of it. I think the problem with this theory of the picture and them thinking that it could be a Yeti there is yes. You see some of the bodies are mutilated, but the other ones that had like severe trauma, there's nothing done to the skin, nothing on the skin, nothing on the skin. If a Bigfoot is whooping your ass, you're going to have something on the skin bruising right now. Yeah. You're going to have something. So Mm -hmm. I don't really like that theory, uh, but the picture is there and it kind of sparked, um, you know, those who want to believe that a Yeti's up there kicking people's butts and they see that picture, I mean, that's going to be some evidence for that. But I just don't think, like, Yetis don't have anything to do with radiation. Yetis don't nope. have anything to do with, uh, you know, cutting your tent from the inside and, and not, no. like, like... It would have to be in there with them. They'd be ripping the tent open to get to the people. Open, right. Yeah. 
So there's another theory, and you talk about the government. Believe it or not, I think four of the hikers, and I don't know their their um, they all went to this school called UPI, and four of them had major KGB connections for real. Like this is 100% true, documented. They these are really smart young people who had connections to the government. There are people out there who 100% believe that the government could have been involved to try to cover up some things. But again, that's a lot of speculation without a lot of evidence. And I get that when we do these things, we have to speculate. Even my story is going to be some speculation that it happened this way, that way. I mean, I can't confirm these things. I can't prove it. You know, you just have to basically believe it. But there are a lot of connections to the KGB with this this hiking group. And they were a very smart group of people. A lot of engineers and some of them had military experience. As a matter of fact, I think the last person to join the expedition was 100% a KGB member. And like that really got those type of mm. uh, rumors flowing. Okay. Then when you talked about the craft there, they did, well, people that are meteorologists say everything that that fits with ball lightning. And that there is a lot of ball lightning in that area, ground lightning, ball lightning, and that can look like giant orbs, light orbs in the sky. And that one of the theories actually about that is they said when that ball lightning would happen, they thought that the group saw this and was like, we've got to document this. And they cut their tents open and went out there to try to like, get photographs of it and uh, but see to me because the other campers nearby did see these lights in the sky all that's confirmed that that stuff was going on that night the storm but the thing to me that bothers me about that is like if you're going to you're not cutting your tent open to take the camera out you're not running down the damn thing barefoot and negative 30 degrees, which it was negative 30 degrees. Yeah, no way. To go, to go take some pictures of some stupid ass ball lightning with your camera that's not even a megapixel. It can't, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to take 16 years to, 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 to develop it. Yeah. So I was like, this, this is crap. I, but that is another one of the theories. It's just a hard one for me to swallow. Because, was, Ryan, like you said, these are very intelligent people. This isn't Joe Schmo out there hiking. I know. I know. They're I not think cutting they, tents open. They've got a lot of experience. They're, they're yeah. not going to destroy their tent over some pictures of ball lightning. Talk to the no. Yeah. Now, another interesting one, and I had heard this one in the past, um, is there's a thing called infrasound which is sound that we can't really hear with our ears but there is a belief that wind and we know that there was a lot of strong wind can cause this infra infra sound um and it what it does is there is a belief that it can cause people to do like basically lose their minds hallucinate not just hallucinate, like literally start doing things that just most people would never do, think to do. It's dr- It literally drives them crazy. Okay, Which, but that it, sounds like direct energy weapon to me. Well, 
it can sound like whatever. I don't know. I mean, I just know that it's, that's what they're saying, but I don't know if that's ever even been proven, you know, like that this stuff drives people crazy or does any of this stuff. Um, but they say it causes irrational fear and would cause people to behave that way. Start running into the thing, bite yourself, uh, cut flesh off, eat your friend and <laughs> put their clothes on and die of hypothermia. <laughs> How do you explain the radiation and the crash syndrome? Oh, who cares? (laughs) Who cares about that stuff that doesn't fit the narrative? Just throw that out. Okay. Listen to what I have to say. No, so so I don't know. I don't buy. That's why I don't buy. But these are very these are very popular um, theories. Mm. You know that a lot of people hold about this the sound theory and and all that. So. The last one I have is actually what I think happened. So if you want to cover anything before this, let me know. And I will wait to bring it up. But Brian, it better cover all the points. Radiation, crush, cutting their tent from the inside, missing tongue. It better cover all of it or else we have to agree this was a direct energy weapon. Brian, go ahead. Well, the ultimatum has been put forth. Okay, so there was a scientist who had this epiphany one day watching a Disney movie, Frozen. And what he saw in Frozen was a simple like background scene where you see what is known as a specific type of avalanche. It's called the delay slab avalanche. And delay slab avalanches are not very big. They're not like you envisioning in the movies or you see off the side of a mountain where just the snow, it's blatantly obvious. This is an avalanche. It's covering everything. You're going to be buried in 25 feet of snow. A delayed slab avalanche happens similar to like when you would, you have to have a degree of angle of about above 20 degrees. And we know that the mountainside that they were next to was 23 degrees. So what happens is as the snow builds up and we know a major snowstorm was occurring at that time because that's what took them off course. Howling winds, ball lightning confirmed to some people or UFOs to others. So there's a major storm going on. As that snow built up, that other snow that was already packed was kind of like a shelf already, almost like a book. And let's say you had two books like you used to have in school, math and and history. They're all glossy and they're sitting on top of each other. You pick that one book on the bottom and you start lifting it up. And once you get that book to about 23 degrees, you'll notice the other one slides right off. And what they're thinking happened is that snow as it built up slid off the other snow and covered the tents of the hikers in about three to four feet of snow, which would be which actually would have some weight to it and be pretty scary. Now, here's something that a lot of people don't know, and this is actually confirmed. And this is left out of a lot of stories because it's hard, it, it starts to make things make more sense. So why would these experienced hikers cut themselves out and leave the provisions and things behind in the tent? I'll tell you why. Because they had more provisions and more things stored in the woods. So they were looking at everything as a lost cause in the tent as it was covered, cut themselves out. 
they went to go get this stuff in the woods. They started running to get that stuff in the woods. They were barefoot and barely or in socks. Here's the thing that um, is kind of interesting about this here. So you had a small group that went to try to go make a fire, like the whole group there, trying to go make the fire. Well, the stuff on the ground isn't going to burn. It's really wet. They're climbing trees to go get the dry stuff, cutting it down, picking it up, bringing it to try to burn it. But it's 30 fucking below. Two people already die of hypothermia right fucking there. They're going to die. The guy who burned himself was so fucking cold, he was putting himself into the fire to try to warm up. That's why his body burned up. He, you, you get to a point where you're so cold and you can't feel anything anymore. And people start to, like, there's a test that some people do. They go, why did this, why was his hand bit? He bit his hand. Can I even feel my hand anymore? I'm going to test. Like, and he bit it. They put themselves in the fire because they're so fucking cold. They can't handle it anymore. You know, it's really hard to envision negative 30 degrees. Like when you think about it, like that's really cold. That's I'm going to spit and it's going to freeze before it touches the ground. I have like nothing on. So how did they get the other people's clothes on? Well, guess what? Two of them died and they're freezing. They don't have the other provisions yet. They stole the clothes off the dead people's bodies to try to stay warm. That's why they were wearing each other's clothes because they were freaking cold. So they cut that off and they scavenge it, trying to stay warm. But three more rush off during this time to try to like, there was an idea that they could make a snow shelter. That was the next thought that these experienced hikers would have is like, we're, we're doomed. Our tents are covered. We're trying to make a fire. It's not working. We've got to make some sort of snow shelter to, to get ourselves back and, and warm. And so that they, the remaining ones that were that had actually tried to stay alive and they're wearing the other clothes, they go to build a sh- sh- <clears throat> snow shelter. But what happens is while they're there, they don't realize there's this stream above. And it had 15 feet worth of snow, like in the stream as it's cutting it. They built this snow shelter, so they're already under a bunch of snow. This stream's cutting away at all this other snow that's by them. And that stream dumped 15 to 20 feet worth of snow at 20 pounds per cubic feet. Basically, 50 tons, 50 tons worth of snow landed on them crushing them why nothing was done to the skin and it looked like a tank ran them over mm. flattening them mm. taking their 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 bones and sticking it through organs but doing nothing to the skin so everybody goes well why the fuck did uh nobody realize this when they showed up because 10 and 30 days later because these bodies that were in the snow shelter were found later that I think you said all were found in 10 days. I think some were found in 10 days and others were found 20 days after that. And that was the people in the snow shelter that were buried under 20 feet worth of snow. 
and they were the crushed ones. Now, where does the radiation come from? We, we talked about the severe injuries. What about missing eyes? What about the tongue? Well, the, the ones that were by the fire that were exposed when they were found, flesh in the tree, tongue missing, eyes missing, they do believe their theory is that animals got to those. Okay, So that can be debated. The radiation, what nobody talks about, is that the lanterns they use gave off a lot of radiation. And if those lanterns were by those bodies, it would end up, especially for extended periods of time, cause that radiation poisoning and the levels of radiation. The, the, the lanterns that they used were radioactive lanterns back then. It gave off radiation. That is a fact. So we have animals eating eyes and tongues, radiation coming from the lanterns, 100,000 pounds landing on top of these people in the snow uh, shelter, all causing varying degrees of craziness across three different areas, which I think is fascinating within itself and genius that people thought of this. Give me your thoughts after I've dropped the bombshell. Okay, Brian coming in with the heat. <laughs> or the cold. Whatever you want. I'm coming coming with the cold. With the snow coming with the snow. I'm coming with the snow on this one. You brought the blizzard. I brought the howling winds. All right. Just call you Elsa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. How Let it snow. Explain. Uh-oh. The, the girl with gray hair. That was the one thing, you know, I'm wondering if that could be a combination. And this is me pulling this straight from my ass. If what is it? What if it's a combination of, you know, what would happen to you if you're basically freeze dried and radiate and head radiation at the same time? What about the orange skin? Yeah, see, I don't know. Maybe that stuff is with uh, that. I didn't find any explanation. I didn't even know about that, so I don't. I don't know. Because one of the pictures I saw, one of the girls looked like a skeleton. Oh, you saw pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like she looked like a skeleton when they found her. Like literally. I wonder if I can find the picture. I mean, I don't know how you. The one with the gray hair looked like a skeleton. It looked like something from, um, like, Poltergeist or yeah. something, like Beetlejuice, like a skeleton lady with gray hair. Just nice and nasty and yeah. large ancha and everything else. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If that's, I mean, are we sure that's a picture from that? Let me see if I, it was, I, I saw it on a documentary. Okay. And I'm trying to Google it right now and see if I can find. I mean, I think all in all, this is an extremely interesting story, whether you subscribe to my idea or any of the other theories. I was fascinated. I remember hearing this for the first time, like 10 years ago. and. 
it, to me, it was always one of the most fascinating incidents out there because it's just so cryptic and leaves a lot to the imagination and it leaves a lot to, you know, people. Do you, when you first heard the story, did you think it was something paranormal? Yes. Yeah. But that, that was my, that was my thought process at that time. Um, but I always like to say, you know, I personally don't like to get married to ideas regardless. I do like to say when evidence presents itself. I found it. Okay. You found this picture or you found the documentary? Jesus. See, that's what I'm talking about, Brian. Are we sure? What the hell is that? Oh, hang on. Oh, my God. You should put that picture up on, on Instagram. I will. Because that's what I'm talking about. It's like some of this stuff, it could be a hybrid of what you're talking about and what I'm talking about. Because, like, let's say the reason there was no slab avalanche let's just roll that out right now because i don't even think with them being as experienced as they were that they had never seen a slab avalanche before okay that they would have to slice themselves in their skivvies and run out of their tents they couldn't just unzip the fucker and just like formulate a plan before they got out of their tent like hey guys We've encountered a slab avalanche. Let's get our thoughts. They, they didn't know what they had to have, have happened to them. They just know that they were just covered in snow, you know. Even but, still, okay. I feel like okay. with their experience, they'd be like, all right, we're in a crisis situation. Let's pull ranks so we all survive this shit and formulate a plan so we don't all freeze to death. Not just take knives and start slicing out of their tents. What if they saw... Okay, go ahead. Like a so, if we're gonna go government issued direct energy weapon, they saw the things in the sky and knew what the fuck they were because of their involvement in the government, and they were like, "They're about to fucking take us all out. Let's get the fuck out of here. Slice and dice. They're out of the tent. They're running down." And then what you said happens. Some of them make it to the forest. Some of them don't. Some of them get blasted by the direct energy weapon. A couple of them are left behind. They didn't get blasted, but now they're dying of hypothermia. Animals come along later, clean up some of the mess. But one girl definitely got blasted. Her hair turns gray, skin melts off. She's a skeleton. A couple of uh, the other ones, snow falls on them. They get crushed. A couple other ones, they just die of hypothermia. Animals come along, eat the flesh pick the eyes, get the tongue. So we have various degrees of like them trying to escape the direct energy weapon. Okay. Okay. Am I supposed to be trying to prove this wrong or like it didn't No, I mean, you're, what, what do you think about that? Do you think it's possible? Do you think I'm, do do I have a case? Well, I think you have a case that to me, what I would want to see is one, what this weapon would be two that it exists or that we know of something like that that exists in another incident that is documented somewhere that's the kind of stuff that would help prove that case to me so a direct energy weapon would be like 
some people think that what happened to the Georgia Guidestones was a direct energy weapon. I don't, I don't know that story. So basically the Georgia Guidestones were like put in play. It was like a Stonehenge monument. Okay. And it was like a, one of our national monuments that you could go. Was it in the United to, States in Georgia? Yes, Georgia. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. And they got knocked over and cracked. And the st- it's like the Stonehenge thing, like something massive would have had to have happened to break these stones or move these stones or, or anything happened to the stones. Yeah. And a lot of people were saying like direct energy weapon, like something that could just massively. So it would be like you don't even see anything or fe- it's like you said, like a massive blast and it just blasts you and it just cr- it just like radiates you. And yeah. just- so that's that's my theory. Okay. I mean, the thing is, I can't prove something didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, I can't prove that, so I don't try to do it. I never try to prove a negative. So I'm not going to argue with somebody else's theory if that's what they want to subscribe to. I wrote this down because it made the most sense to me. I think it makes the most sense, except for the girl with the gray hair and the skeleton face. Well, I don't even know about it. Do we have any, have you ever heard of hypothermia or being left out in the cold that long that your skin just melts off your face? Have you ever heard anything like that? No, no. (laughs) I'm asking seriously because. So I'm I'm laughing because it's like, you're like, it's where the skin melts off. Well, no, I, I have not <laughs> seen anybody get so damn cold. Like, hey, hey, I'm freezing over here. Oh, I can tell your face is melting. <laughs> your face is, uh, yeah, your jaw's on the ground. Yeah, I can tell you're cold. <laughs> so I have to say, though, I think your idea of like the three separate things going on makes more sense than them just getting blasted at once because dying at different times and dying at different times because it is proven that some of them had the other one's clothes on yeah so they had to have time to do that yeah and you heard my part of that explanation what i thought that was where you had some of them dying and they're freezing so they're grabbing they're cutting the clothes off they're cutting the clothes off to put them on themselves yeah yeah Yeah. and see what i'm thinking too is you can't negative 30s no joke i mean but brian you think about that you think about that your feet are bare you're losing your feet first you're losing feeling in everything you can't walk you can't walk, you, you can't keep your blood circulating because your feet are fucked. They're gone. Yeah. So Quickly, that's going to be... Because the body, the body to conserve heat pulls the blood from the extremities. That's why your fingers, your, yeah, to the organs, trying to keep you alive. So, I mean, you, you are screwed at that point. Do you, you know? think those lamps put off enough radiation to like cause the you know and that's a good that's a good question too i did think about that where i'm like i do know that those lamps are radioactive and that is left out a lot of times you know i think it does need to be brought up um but the level 
of radiation? I don't know. You know, like I feel like people that were using those lamps during that time were people getting sick and not knowing why because they didn't know Mm -hmm. that radiation was that bad for you. But I'm talking about like in one night, could it have caused the amount of radiation that these people had? Like to the point where they had to be buried in zinc coffins. Well, and you know, the thing is, I don't know if the zinc coffin for sealing purposes was like normally to, to shield radiation, you put lead, you know, which is really heavy and you, you put lead around to, to seal radiation. I don't know if zinc works or not. I know you said that you had read that zinc is used to seal, but you know, you think about the state of those bodies, like even no matter how they they were if animals got a hold of them plus they were frozen plus they were crushed plus they bit themselves and i mean i'm sure that nobody wanted to see those bodies like no. i'm sure open coffin type situation so i don't know if that's why that was done that way i can definitely see you know and if they didn't if they couldn't figure out at that time how these bodies got crushed how these things you know Governments, especially communist ones, have egos just like anybody else. Nobody wants to go to a microphone and pretend like we don't know what happened. We don't. So I can totally see them. One doctor being like, "They didn't just die of hypothermia. Let's get real yeah. here. This guy's freaking rib cage bone is stuck through his heart. Okay, that's not <laughs> hypothermia. This person's missing a tongue and eyes. I don't think the hypothermia did it. You know what I mean? Like that." Yeah. He's, blatantly, he's blatantly like you guys you can't just say hypothermia all right which is like what they're trying to get away with so that's good and these families are not going to just live with no excuse come on it's hard enough to get closure when you do know what's happened and it's hard to come to grips for people when you do know what's happened to your loved one. imagine right. hear, hearing the government say well we've done a 72 day investigation and it was hypothermia but uh and you're like, um, motherfucker, bullshit. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, instantly, you're jumping to every conclusion. That's just human nature. That's what you're going to do. You're going to be like, oh, no, I know what's up. The government did this. The government's involved. I know that they had KGB backgrounds. And I mean, I can tell I mean, that's legit documented. So when you see people go to that, level and the governments are so secretive especially like a kgb and the russians and they don't feel like they have to give you answers on anything those families were probably like a big majority of ones spreading type those types of rumors trying to come up with their own closure but can we both agree it wasn't no type of a yeti yeah i'm not going with the yeti but but i wanted to bring it up because if you do look it up and some of the people there, and some people may believe it was Yeti. But if you look up this incident, you can actually find a picture. Um, maybe you could even, you could probably find it when you Google and put it on the Instagram. You'll see it. And it's like one of those pictures where you're like, somebody could have said, you know, a troll was living in the area. Or somebody could have said like a gnome that baked cookies was living in the area. And yeah. somebody... Somebody would be like, that is the gnome that makes the cookies. And it's just this shadow outline, you know, so you can make it whatever you want. But it does look 
suspect. I'm not going to lie. It's like back in the woods. And it's just this little shadow that looks like it's got two arms and legs and looking at you. But I mean, it's not like some up close ape. Where you're like, right. oh yeah, it's oh no, that's, that's a yeti for sure. Yep, there yeah. it is. You know, not definitive. Yeah, it's and not definitive. What I want to do, because I think a lot of the problem is when people talk about scenarios like this, it's all hypothetical. So they're thinking like, well, um, it could have possibly, and then they like say this whole big story. But I always think of it as if I'm the hiker. Okay. What would I do if a slab avalanche came down? And I, 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 I don't even know if I want to know what you do. The slab avalanche came down. <laughs> All right. So, so I'm, I'm in a tent. What would you do? What would you do? In my underwear. <laughs> it's negative 30 out. You're like, I'm still sleeping in my goddamn underwear. Leave me alone. I'm staying in my sleeping bag. Yeah. But if I'm all that snow was on top of the tent, it might be like pushing down on you. It could have been scary. That might have been why they How were would they cut then to put let the snow in? Because they're trying to get out. They don't know. Why how would they cut the out. top of the tent off and then go up like that? Because I they're mean, trying, we, they're scared. But we don't they're, even know. Cutting it open. They're it's like it's like the snow's giving birth to them. They pull, they put their arms up, they push it out the way, and they they get out into exactly where they want to be. 60 mile per hour howling winds, negative 30 degree temperatures, and they're wearing a t-shirt. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to ask you straight up. You said because the slab avalanche is not as big as the ones that we picture in like movies. And yeah. Stuff. So they're thinking only a couple feet of snow would have gone over the whole thing. But I, my whole argument to that was they, you know, if you're in the tent, you don't know how much snow is up there. You don't know shit. You're just like, holy crap, like a whole ton of is your snow first, just covered me. But is your first thought to cut the side of the tent or is your first thought to maybe unzip the top of the tent where it's unzippered? And then maybe poke your head out and be like, let's see how deep the snow is before I start cutting my only place to live. You know, the thing is, I honestly don't know. I mean, to me, that is very confusing. Like, I don't know what it was like in the tent, if the tent was able to hold up any of that weight or if when that snow came on top of it, it actually pushed the tent down on top of them. So they had no direction. They didn't know where they were. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, the poles were not strong enough to hold that up. So that tent just basically came down on top of them like a sheet. Now, all of a sudden, you're kind of in panic mode. You've got pressure on top of you. And, and you know that there's weight there. And you can't really see left, right, side, nor center. So you don't know what to get. So all right, you, Brian, let's you let's cut You it. cut it open there. And you just go straight up because you're not grabbing anything because you don't know where anything is. Okay, but let's debate. Let's debate right now. Let's. Take a look at the situation. All right. The tent was found complete. The structure was completely intact, standing up. And the only damage to the tent was from the knife tears from inside. That's a good, okay, that's a good point. No, that's so a good point. So you're looking the at the evidence. I'm not yeah. going to fuck with that. That's a good, that's a great point. That's a great point. 
So I was trying to think outside the box on that you're one. Think, like, you're thinking happened. like if they were buried alive almost in their tent. Yeah, yeah. So it's laying on top of you. You're like, I got to get the hell out of here. But it but wasn't. It wasn't. And that's so that's a great point. So if you had time to look left, right, center, look at your buddies, you could be like, let's devise a let's plan. Grab some enough stuff Shoes. to get us to where the other provisions and the other things are at. But let's make sure we're warm enough because where we're at now, we don't know how much snow is on top of us, if more is going to come. If whatever, obviously you can't unzip the tent where the normal spot is because there's more snow there. You might be in too deep. I can see then you cut it open. I don't understand the logic behind not putting your boots on. I don't understand the logic, especially with the snow um, and how cold it was. I don't yeah, understand. That's what that. I'm thinking. I don't understand it either. And Unless I they were in pure 100% unadulterated panic mode. And what could cause that to very experienced hikers? What could cause fight or flight? And obviously they they were flighting and not fighting. If you're going to say government weapon, I can't confirm that. Okay, okay. Listen to to this shit, Brian. Okay, all right. Alien popped up in the tent with him. God damn it. <laughs> I'm thinking if it was me, I'm cutting myself hey, out of the tent and I'm I'll running. I'll tell you this an alien, some fucking bitch ass alien pops up in my fucking tent. I'm cutting out that bitch too. All right. Yeah. I don't care. I'm going to take my chances because you know those motherfuckers are going to do some crazy ass shit to you. Fast probe. Worse than that. I saw fire. Brian, Brian, Brian. All jokes aside, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're in the fucking Arctic. You're in your sleeping bag. You look up and E.T. is standing right there. Okay. What are you going to (laughs) do? You're going to go in fight or flight mode. You're going to jump like slice out of your tent. Maybe they grab the knife to to defend themselves. All right, I'm gonna like, one up. All right, you. I'm gonna one up you. One up you me. Ready? Why are these aliens? First of all, reveal. They're like looking down. They're like, "Hey, look there! Horrible snowstorm. One hundred mile per hour winds. Hey, hey, Billy, go take your big ass head and your big ass eyes." And your naked body, <laughs> and head on down, <laughs> and head on down into that tent. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hawaii's a five-second flight away, <laughs> but let's let's fuck with these twenty-three-year-old Russian kids for a minute. <laughs> Come on, quick, get down there. We got to get the anal probes ready. <laughs> Come on. You know, you know those aliens ain't doing that shit. Let's ask the real questions. If you were an alien, you're going to go get some cows and do all that other stuff on some farmland. You are not going to no Yatlov Pass 
when okay, the but that's off. the thing. This mountain is known for UFO activity. It could have just been their their nightly routine to pass by. And then they were like, you know what? I know we're doing our nightly rounds. We're about to head over the Diatlov Pass, but I'm starting to feel a little hungry. Damn, okay. look, there is a tent full of people. Let's mm-hmm. enjoy ourselves a little scare. But no, Brian, this area is known for UFO activity. That's why the people, the locals, and the people who went on the search party to find the bodies both said, yes, there were orbs in the sky. Yes, they were orange and glowing. Yeah, and I know that's confirmed. I know. Yeah, and then like the local people are like, oh, it's just a normal, regular occurrence for us. We see fiery spheres in the sky all the time. Mm-hmm. So the thunderstorm doesn't have nothing to do with it. It could be a completely clear mm-hmm. night. and they see Ground it. lightning, ball lightning. I think that's what that is, but yeah. Even if there's no storm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're going, you're 100% that this couldn't have been it. And because the only thing, that could make me forget all basic human instinct is an alien showing up in my tent. I, I, I get it, but you know, they, because they the were... way you describe the avalanche was like that scene in Mulan where she takes the thing and she shoots that side of the mountain and it just buries everybody. And she's like pulling people up from the snow by their hair. And it's just like little heads popping up out of the snow. That's what I was imagining. But looking at the picture of the tent, it was completely unscathed other than the fact that it had been torn from the inside. Yeah, but it's not a lot of snow on that. But would that that make them panic like that? That little bit of snow. Are you going to panic? I don't know if they knew how much snow it was. And they might have thought, if this amount hit us, more is on the way. We've got to move. To the point where they'd cut themselves out of the tent. With no shoes on. Brian, think about if it were you. You're yelling at me about that. I think it's all crazy, okay? I'm not saying that it's not crazy, but we are also looking at this from hindsight 2020. Like, we know they died. We know they fucked up. We know that they didn't make it. And now we're going to say, well, we know that didn't work. But in the moment, you know, they were swinging for the fences, I guess. They were trying to hit the home run ball. Maybe they should have bunt. Brian, if you looked around you right now, sitting in your kitchen, and you saw an alien, are you going to ju- run out of the house, or are you going to be like, let me get my shoes, let me, no, you're not, you're going to be fighting, not fighting, unless you want to fight an alien, which I don't recommend, you are going to freak the fuck out. These were experienced hikers. They had been to the area several other times. They would have experienced controversy and known basic survival instincts. Well, they did do everything that they did do is kind of by the books. And that was the joke. When they built that snow shelter, that was 100% by the books. And it's funny, if they would have done the wrong thing, they probably would have lived. 
the, that they would not have built in the city. Yeah, yeah, but that was like by the book the what what you should do in that situation, and then. Okay, you but now you're you're fucking me up because if I see a, an alien. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about stopping until I see trees. So, so these people that just saw the alien in the tent run, they sprint as fast as they can and say, all right, we're 20 feet away from the tent. Quick, build a fire. The alien will never get us now. You're right. This is why it's so mysterious. I know. And then the one guy, I'm just going to throw myself in the fire now that there's aliens around and bite my hand. (laughs) (laughs) The two problems I have is the lanterns not being radioactive enough to cause the level of radiation they have. Well, and I don't know. I don't know if it is. We can't confirm or deny. And then let's just say it was enough with those lanterns going on all night or however long until the bodies were found, they were around these lanterns and that's what caused like the radioactive overload. The lady who had the melted face with the gray hair is really fucking me up right now. Look, I don't know anything about, we, I don't know anything about that lady. I don't know. That's, she looked like a 27 year old to you from that photo. A skeleton, Brian. A skeleton. It looked like something that looked like something from a movie to me. I don't know. That's I've never I've never seen that picture. So I don't know. I mean, that was freaky. That picture's freaky. So if that was actually part of the thing, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Your best conspiracy theory just entertain me. Okay. What do you think the relationship is with them being involved in the KGB? Well, no, I know that's confirmed. Like four You know it's confirmed, but do you think it had anything to do with what happened? Yes, in the sense that I do think that that's why the government didn't want a lot of the information getting out. And it may not have had anything to do with that specific incident that happened to them more than like their actual involvement with projects that were going on things that they were trying to get involved with i do i can't remember i do know that one of the people was like a big part of trying to it might have had something to do with extracting information from the cia or something like that so they probably didn't want some of that information getting out or the backgrounds of some of these people so if you want to talk conspiracy theories on that level I mean, I would buy that, you know, like, I don't, I don't think people, especially those governments at that time, you're looking at cold war type shit. Mm -hmm. And if it had to do between the United States and and Russia, I mean, people have a hard enough time trusting any government these days, which I actually really don't blame them for that. I don't blame anybody for that. I don't think people get a good explanation for much you know, and I think back then people were more trusting of their governments, but that particular incident, I mean, how vague they were with the, everything they said, and they released just about no information. Um, and I don't, you know, I'd have to dig really deep to try to find out any information between what the information that the families got from them. I don't know much. Um, 
on that level. But I would say that you and you don't think that our government it's been documented that the Nazis were working on like type UFO type crafts and that they okay. they were okay so there's nothing in your mind that thinks maybe the Russian government had some back engineered bullshit some kind of a spacecraft and they were testing weapons out in the middle of nowhere and they were like oh my god look look what happened lucky for us we can test these direct energy weapons out on these people i don't know i I don't know why you would do it on on those specific people who were like the kgb knew that they were going out there like hey just want to let you know i'm going hiking with my buddies next weekend no i think they did actually know i mean the last person let me see the left i think his name was alexander the the older one right the 37 year old yeah he was the last alexander Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean i i don't know i mean you're you're bringing up things that are out of my realm of of understanding Uh, like like i'm just posing the question to you if he if they the kgb knew he was going out of town to do this hike and they were he was like one of the ones they were like we really uh we got to get rid of this guy you know we got to get rid of this guy we've got some stuff we need to test out anyways let's go and the rest of them were just like collateral damage if there is you know when it comes to things like that and i know that there's always been cover-ups and and but i have this rule of thumb that anytime more than like two or three people know something, I almost think a village knows. So when information doesn't leak out, it bothers me. So if you have like, you know, that's some, some of my problem with, with certain conspiracy theories is that if five people knew this thing, hundreds know it, then thousands know. And then, basically everybody knows it because people can't keep their mouths shut you know so the truth would eventually get out you know and i think okay i see where you're going yeah if that happened to somebody i think something would have leaked out by now somebody would have had some kind of inkling about it like we'd know something there'd be that so that's my feeling about that. I mean, I can't fully debunk it. It's just a feeling I have. If we take aside the gray-haired lady with the skeleton face, your theory fits perfectly. Okay. I agree. I, I do like the theory. But it's not my theory. It's just one of the theories and the one I subscribe to because it made so much sense to me. And it, and it did makes, do a good yeah, it makes job so much of explaining sense. some of the weirder stuff. The you tongue know. and the eyes was the animal. Yeah, the yeah, clo- yeah, yeah. Swapping of clothes. Yeah. The snow falling on them that was like tons and tons and tons and tons crushed yeah. them. Some of them were trying to get back to the forest to seek refuge. Mm-hmm. And some of them were found in the forest, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Probably trying it to get to like By the time they got there, they were already fucked off. Like oh, they were, they were done. They were done. Yeah. yeah. 
And you've got to think that a certain level of panic does ensue when you're that cold. Oh, absolutely. That's definitely something I would be thinking about. I mean, when I go outside to shovel a driveway and it's zero degrees, I'm like, fuck this shit. And I'm fully bundled up. I've got like gloves, hat, the whole nines, and I'm still cold. It's hard to move. Like the whole world seems different when it's that cold. It's just a different world. Your breath seems to freeze. I mean, if any any exposed skin at that temperature, and I don't know if that's including wind chill. I mean, if the wind's howling like that and it's that cold, geez, man, I don't know. Because it did say that they had to take shelter because it was the weather was so bad. Wow. That's why they set up tent their tent right there. And they yeah. were like, let's call it a night. Because we oh, can't. Yeah. yeah. Have they made a movie about this yet? Oh, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't think so. It'd be a hell of a movie. They Somebody probably has. There's one that says Dyatlov Pass movie on Netflix from 2021. Oh, maybe that's a documentary. Let me see. There's another one called Devil's Pass, the Outlive Pass movie from 2013. So it's called Devil's Pass. Uh, mm. I don't know, you know, and it's Russian. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. They say it's a horror movie, too. Well, it's horrible what happened. 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. That might mean it's good. I think it would be a hell of a movie. And I would love to see what whoever directed it, what they claim happens to the people. Like what they. Rennie Harlan directed it, 20th Century Studios, Anchor Bay Entertainment. I bet he says the alien popped up in the tent. I know you think that's hilarious, but I think UFOs and aliens are real. Um, if you ask me my opinion on that, I do too. Um, but I don't know to the level of like Hollywood style. I mean, I definitely, I, I think anybody who doesn't believe in this universe, there's other living beings. Like we didn't really know until recently we couldn't confirm that there were other planets outside our solar system. Like we didn't had never known about. Now you see them everywhere. And there's actually a belief or not a belief. They think they've scientifically proven. And this was very interesting to me that they, they think they've scientifically proven that there are more planets out there right now and all within all the universe then there are seconds that have existed since the universe began. How the fuck did they come to that conclusion? So if you think about how many seconds there's been since the 14 billion years in the mm-hmm. existence of this, since the big bang or whatever they think it is, there's that many more planets. If you're thinking this is the only one with life on it, you're gravely you off your ass. Yeah. yeah. Even if it was on half a percent or a quarter of a percent, we're looking at 
life on thousands and millions of worlds. So, and that's not just life. I would have to say in our, even if a quarter percent of those were intelligent or what we would consider intelligent life, there's thousands upon millions of those. I, 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 I've heard so many theories, Brian, and like some of them are like, it, it, it would be just like on earth. Some of them are evil. Some of them have not the best intentions towards us. Some of them are totally benevolent. They're just passing through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do sometimes think maybe the negative ones, people have had negative experiences. Some people have had positive experiences. If you watch Fire in the Sky, you would know what I'm talking about. Not everybody has just like, oh, it was great. And like, sometimes it's not a positive experience. Yeah. And with Fire in the Sky, I think the one thing that's always interested me about that story. And you do believe it. Or right? event. I will say this. This is what I will say to, to that. I know that the people that experience that, I know that they believe it. I know that they believe that is real 100%. I think, I don't think they're lying. I do not think that they're coming out and saying, you know, when you watch the interviews, when you, you can just tell when, when the way people present themselves sometimes. Are they, are they out seeking attention? Like they straight up, when they talk about that, you can almost sense the trauma. Yeah. Like you can sense that how traumatic that was for them. So I know that he believes that definitely happened to him. Um, It's a very convincing case to me. Um, And it would be like, oh, they're making it up for what? They were like cutting trees in the middle of the, you know what I mean? Like for what? Are they making this up? You know, they were like manly men. Like some, some like, people make up stories for attention, but you know, like, and I know that our guts lie to us sometimes, and we're not always the best in in, in character. And there's uh, and others they they want to believe these things so bad that they'll just believe anything. But you know, with that particular case, like it is very convincing. I will say that that is one of the most convincing. Uh, I guess you would call that a uh, abduction story for the fourth kind mm-hmm. and a true story. You know, I definitely believe that they are telling the truth. Let's put it that way: that they believe it happened to them. And and, and what it is such a crazy story. I, I remember watching that movie too, just being like in awe of it when it came out. And it's freaky, too, because it's like this the outlive live past thing. It's like everybody has an opinion on it. And everybody oh, yeah. has a story. Mm-hmm. It's a cool story. Yeah, it is. Wait, are you talking about Travis Walton? Or are you I'm talking, talking about- both. I'm talking both. They are both really cool stories. I mean, they're right up there. Those are the types of stories that capture our imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it goes against other things that you've learned. And, and I'll say that in recent times, we are seeing more and more, like, footage from our own government. Um, 
where they're seeing crafts that they can't explain. And when you talk to most pilots, they've run into crafts that they can't really explain. Does that make them alien? I can't confirm or deny that. You know, like it's that's too hard to say. Could it be experimental aircraft? Could it be, you know, aircraft nobody is supposed to know about? So nobody's going to say, oh, yeah, we were flying one of these new space-aged craft that we've been working on that we don't want anybody else to know about. Like, nobody's going to come out and say that, but they're definitely seeing things up there. I believe these people. I do, too. Do you believe in the Bermuda Triangle? Man, there are some really cool stories that come out of that. And there's other other triangles like that that aren't just the Bermuda Triangle. There's other places, and I can't think of them off the top of my head, that this stuff happens even more often than Bermuda Triangle. But my belief in it doesn't make it true or not true, but it is very fucking interesting. We can speculate based on the activity that goes on at these locations that there's something going on, even if we don't know what it is. is. So the reason I ask you that is because I came across yet another conspiracy theory Uh about the the Diotlov pass which was there are just random portals in weird locations like this bermuda triangle this do not go there mountain the fuji mountain in japan um like they're this ominous place that just holds the reason why it has this this power or that people believe it's had this power for so long is because their portals, their gateways. They can feel it. They can yeah. feel it. You know, I I had heard a story about the Bermuda Triangle that was very interesting to me about a pilot. And I do believe this might have been around World War II times, maybe not. But he started flying and he flew into this electric storm. Now, he knew how much fuel he had. Obviously, he's a pilot. He needed to know how much fuel he had. He knew how long that trip was going to take him. It was from somewhere, I think, you know, like one of those normal trips you would be taking from the Caribbean, maybe through to Miami or that area. And as he was flying, he flies into this storm. And it was like this dark storm cloud that just completely gave him the creeps. And he was in um, touch with air traffic control somewhere in the Caribbean when he was about to fly into it. And he was terrified of this thing. And he's like, as I'm flying through it, like I almost came into like what was an eye of the storm type thing and knew I had to fly even further. And he's like, my instruments are all going crazy. I can't pick direction. I can't see where the sun is. I'm like, I'm basically flying blind, you know, and I'm going into this storm. And he comes back out the storm cloud and he's like almost right above Miami, but he's there two hours earlier than he's supposed to be. And he hasn't lost the fuel he should have lost that. And he's sitting there thinking exactly what you're talking about. Not like he thought he was in a time portal, but he's like, this should not, this is impossible. What's Mm -hmm. just happened to me is impossible. Either my gauges right now are completely wrong. I don't have as much fuel as this is telling me. And my, you know, clock on here is wrong. But 
once he was in touch with air traffic control, they're telling him the same thing, not about his fuel, but the time it was. And he's asking to go and land. And I'm like, that's really. Brian, that is what cool. I'm talking about. And he's right like, here. I can't tell you how many pilots would have probably flown into something like that and never been able to make it out and just crash. Which you hear about all the time in that area where, you know, this plane's never been found. And then sometimes as they do end up finding some of these planes years and years later with like the people that go and find wrecks. So super interesting. There's been whole passenger flights disappear in there. So that's why when I ask you that, I'm literally being sincere when I say, I think that there are portals like this and we just have no idea about them. Yeah, or yeah. if the government knows about them, they're not telling us. You know, the only thing, I, 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 the government's like a two-edged sword to me. You know, you think about, some elements of the government you're like these they can't do anything right they're completely inept you know like Mm -hmm. they can't get the census right they can't figure anything out they can't police things right it's basically if you want something to run poorly just put the government in charge of it you know Mm -hmm. so when i hear certain things about like hey maybe the government knows this maybe i i doubt it i don't think they're nearly as smart as they want people to believe they are but Ooh, you know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of Men in Black because you know in that movie Will Smith goes, "So what branch of the government do we report to?" And he goes, "We don't. They don't need to know about this. We work for ourselves. And yeah. so we we don't report to anyone. They ask too many questions." And it's like, "What if there's some type of like it's not even the government?" But somebody out there is like in control of like, okay, we know where all these hot spots are. We know where the portals are in the gateways, like Skinwalker Ranch, places like this. There's serious fucking shit going on here. And it's like, who has the answers? Somebody, anybody, does anyone know what the fuck is going on here? I know. I know. I know they don't. No. Yeah. I'm slowly finding that out. Like everybody's just kind of like going through life with like a blindfold on, you know, just feeling their way through. It's it's that idea. It kind of reminds me of the idea of, and I think we all went through this as children. I know I did. When I was a child, I used to look up at adults and be like, man, they got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have this assumption as you get older that like things, you're just going to figure things out. And you do gain wisdom and you do gain knowledge, but the reality is you don't know nearly as much as you thought you were going to know. You don't, you can't do as much as you thought you were going to be able to do. You you have to spend every waking moment trying to, you know, become an expert on anything. And you realize quickly, you can't be an expert in everything and you got to pick your battles and pick what you want. And I think sometimes people attribute the government similarly, like, they know everything. They're in the know. They know this. No, they don't know shit. They don't know shit. They want look at, I mean, just look at the last couple presidents we've had. I'll just say that. Like mm-hmm. the, we these people, they're not like the the smartest people you've ever 
come across right. in the know. I'm not going to go to Joe Biden and be like, tell me about the aliens. Tell me about what's going on over there. <laughs> right. I wouldn't trust Joe Biden to change my fucking oil in my car. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't trust him to give me directions to get up the street. Hey, which one's my house? I don't know. I'm standing in front of you. <laughs> So that makes me want to ask you one question. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear this story that Joe Biden walked right in front of the Duchess of Cornwall, Camilla? No, no I didn't. Whatever this is, I know I didn't. Lifted his leg up and like just was... ripped ass right in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> didn't stop talking about it for days because she's Where'd a royal you, you know oh. and then joe biden just walks right up to her looks her dead in the eye and just rips ass <laughs> in front of her he did this in front of the pope too <laughs> he was like hi pope nice to meet you i'm joe biden <laughs> <laughs> somebody put some holy water on that man <laughs> I just thought that was the craziest thing I had ever heard. Somebody else told me about it. They go, he pulled a real power move, if you ask me. <laughs> Probably shit his britches. Yeah, no, nothing surprises me. But Brian. Okay. What's before up? we wrap up for the night, can you tell the listeners what it is you're doing on the Cleveland Schwill podcast? What do you have going on in lightness? Okay. No, I appreciate that. So I, I, um, I have started my own podcast called Cleveland Schwill. And if we have a little gimmick on there where we have to have a drink while we're doing our talking and, and you kind of tell everybody what it is that you're drinking, how you would make it etc etc but um i'm predominantly i've lived most of my life in northeast ohio so i'm trying to promote northeast ohio talent and that means like anybody who's in the music industry out here um artists small business owners i even want to have on detectives to talk about like you know not like recent crimes, but maybe like a retired detective talk about some of his cases that he's done over the years. Um, and uh, next week, I'm actually interviewing somebody for uh, that has made their own comic book strip here. That they have four different comics that they've done. They look it looks absolutely gorgeous. He's been doing it for years. He's made movies. He does the writing. Um, all of the stuff takes place in Cleveland. So basically. It's a it's a Northeast Ohio podcast, but I mean, obviously, we invite anybody to come and listen. But it's just to kind of document and promote talented people that before they like go off to somewhere else to make it, and then have everybody be like, "Oh yeah, we had them there back since day one when we did right, right," mm-hmm. or and just upcoming events that are happening locally and things like that. Um, but there's a ton of interesting people here, and we're gonna try to do everything we can to get get their stories and i think it could be entertaining to anybody but predominantly it's people that like live in this area or used to live in this area and want to know what's going on and want to know about like some of the things their neighbors are up to 
And, you know, obviously I'm from there. So it's very interesting to me because I like hearing that kind of stuff. Cause I grew up there. It's nostalgic. Like there's a yeah. lot of little um, places and stuff that I went to as a kid and like Geneva on the lake was a biggie and it's a magical place. Actually. What I will say is like beautiful in the fall, like absolutely. Yeah, all four seasons. You get all four, all four seasons. seasons. And it, it, it's it's really nice. It is. It, it's a Midwest type of thing, but you know, a lot of people grow up here and then they move other places and then they still have that nostalgia for back home. That's why they think teams like the Cleveland Browns have so many backers bars all over the uh, country and even the world is people are following a team that they grew up with. They just live somewhere else now, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, that feels like home. And sometimes when you listen to somebody from your area, it's kind of comforting. It is. You know, it brings that home feel. They talk like you, like a Clevelander with our nasally accents. And they talk about places that you've been and restaurants you've visited and places you loved going when you grew up. And, and But like to just know things that are going on there and that there's exciting things happening and what's new. And like you can almost feel like you're being part of it again. So uh, I think that's an excellent idea because I have to tell you, if I come on, I'm talking about growing up and going to the grape jamboree every year. Yeah. That which, is a bad Which other people jamboree. have done and love and would love to talk about and think about. I love you know, it. There, there's so many um, Instagram pages and other things dedicated just to certain decades people grew up in. And all these people do, they're like adults and they're, it's like this whole thing dedicated to the eighties and they have like their basements and they're putting in VHS tapes that you would have watched in the eighties on an eighties television with a Walkman and they're putting a tape in it. And people love this shit. And this, the technology is completely outdated, but it doesn't matter. Like somebody's holding up a new kids on the block tape and like, all these women are like, oh, my God, that was my favorite band when I was 10 years old mm-hmm. in the 80s. Like, they love that. The cassette meant something to them. They can remember the time that they were in the basement with their eight friends, and they put in the tape, listened to it all the way through, and danced and ate pizza. Like, yes. that shit means things to people. Because it was a simpler time. It was a um, for them, and not for their parents. It was just as chaotic yeah. as it was for us. But... For that time, for them, things were so simple. The only thing you had to worry about was getting your homework done on time and uh, making sure you were home by the time the lights went out on the street and, you know, uh, what note you were going to write to your girlfriend and try to get passed to her through your friends. And, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, like that's what people did. And it was just, it was, you couldn't do things so quickly like you can now. So it had more meaning access to people had more meaning and that meant something to somebody like if I had a problem like I couldn't just text somebody real quick to find out how they're feeling about it like that devalues that communication because it's so easy to access when you had to sit there and mull over for an entire weekend what you were going to say to your girlfriend or boyfriend when you saw them on Monday that had a completely different amount of meaning to you. It had so much value because you couldn't just 
access it. You couldn't just do it. You had to really think about it. You went over all the different scenarios in your head and you're like, I might put this in my note or I'll just tell her in person or I'll just do this. And now things are just like throwaway to a degree. And it kind of has devalued things a little bit. You swipe left or right on a human being superficially and you, and you don't even know them or anything about their personality or traits. And it kind of is, I think that does have a detrimental effect on people, but the nostalgia for me is where it's at. And I think communicating, I think actually bringing these podcasts and people listening to podcasts kind of takes you back to a little bit of more of a nostalgic time because you're listening to two people talk and it's real. It's not edited. Nobody's pushing their, well, people push narratives, but I mean, and, and there's commercials, but it's not like the whole thing. Like when you watch five minutes of a news clip and it's just a real clip blurb so they can get to the, make you buy a Toyota Camry at the end. <laughs> you're sitting there like talking about real shit with real people. And your listeners are sitting there like, yeah, I fucking want to know about this too. They can tell when you're being real. People aren't stupid. They know when you're being real and they know when you're full of shit. And most people want to listen to somebody who at least they know is being real with them. There's something inherently almost unique about that quality now. It's just a shame. You know why? Do you know why, Brian? Because the kids who have grown up being able to text everything did not have to live through the generation where you had to be able to make conversation with another human being and like fill in the small, like the gaps in between and with small talk and like come up with stuff to say on your feet, be sociable. Yeah. Because I was talking to somebody who's like a Gen Z or whatever, they've texted everything their whole life. And it's like, they'll be like, I hate having conversations with people like just text me for God's sake. Like, I don't want to talk to you on the phone or I don't want to talk to you like at work, I just text me or email me or whatever. If you don't come to my cubicle and ask me, just send it in an email. What they're really so saying is that's my insecurity. And anywhere that I'm insecure, I don't feel comfortable and I don't feel like safe. I feel safe between the veil of this piece of technology, but I don't feel safe interacting with another human being. It's my anxiety. And I think that's where you do see a lot of anxiety stemming from a lot of people now is that we've dehumanized humans to yes. a point where I hope that we can come back from it. And I hope that people do learn that what a beautiful blessing it is to talk to another human being. You know, this is scientifically proven and we're wired this way, biologically wired this way. That if two people hold hands long enough, their heartbeats start to sink. Oh. If you hold somebody's hand that you love, it actually can heal you. And this is not bullshit. I'm not, this is scientifically proven stuff. Being around people that you love and having somebody tell you that they love you and, uh, and, and you're around them and, and the trust is there and they're holding your hand and they care for you it actually really does make people better. And I'm not saying it's the cure cure for all, you know, but people get better from illnesses faster. 
when they're when they have somebody that loves them that's taking care of them like we are biologically wired to be around other people not a device and if people are like i can't find love i don't know anything about love but they look through that the only way they're comfortable in finding love is through an app or their computer i don't think there's anything wrong with that using that to reach out to somebody even on it's very superficial and mostly predominantly based on looks, unfortunately. But you have to pair that with humanity. You have to pair that with going out and seeing somebody's personality and understanding that there's more than just the smile and a professional photographer that took some pictures of somebody in Calvin Klein underwear. (laughs) There's more to it than that. And when you touch that person, and you kiss them on their lips and look them in their eyes or touch the back of their head, that literally releases chemicals mm-hmm. in people. It's a whole new experience. Yeah. And that's why and I they're missing. Like, yes. I was going to say, that's why I feel like these Gen Z kids will sit in a room with you on their phone the entire time and be super comfortable never uttering a word out of their mouth to you because it's like i'm on my phone why aren't you on your phone let's just sit in the same room and be on our phones together but i remember when i was little if my mom had people company come over to the house and i wasn't sitting at the table with them talking or sitting in the living room with them talking, I was in trouble. Yeah. Because you have to talk to the guests. They're our company. They came all the way over unannounced to have some coffee and some little fucking zebra cakes or whatever mom has. Just to sit and enjoy each other's company. I know. And that, in a way, is what podcasting is doing, too. It's like just enjoying another person's company for an hour or two. And Um, hopefully it does comfort people. And let them know that they're not alone. There's other people that are like you out there that do want to talk to other human beings. And sometimes it might be harder to find them when you're in the hustle and bustle of your everyday repetitive life. But when you break away, you know, sometimes I say it's not that bad to just go say hi to people i do it all the time everywhere i go i can i talk to people i do you wouldn't believe how happy most people are to just have you say hello to them and give five seconds of your time to give a shit Mm -hmm. it's a whole new world out there when you do that for people they're unbelievably grateful one of the greatest gifts you can give someone is your time absolutely that's a great way to put it it's true And on that note, if someone wants to spend some time with you, Brian, how can they contact you? Oh, okay. So um, it is, if you have, if you're from Northeast Ohio, know somebody from Northeast Ohio that is kind of partaking in any of the things I brought up earlier, um, mostly in the art world, um, but also small businesses or detectives or comedians or anything along that line. Actually, any interesting stories that you have, period. Even if your house is haunted and you live in Northeast Ohio. Uh, you can reach me at uh, cleveland.schwill at gmail.com. And we also have a Cleveland Schwill Instagram page. And that's Cleveland underscore Schwill um, on Instagram. 
So yeah, and those are the two send ways. You a, send you a message on Instagram and you can send me a message on Instagram and actually anybody can follow the page. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google, um, Amazon, mm-hmm. Anchor, Podbean, all of those. So yeah. yeah. I do want to say, Brian, I love you to bits. You are my cousin. And uh, obviously, you're not just a guest on my show. So it's always super fun when you come on. Oh, I love coming on. I love coming on. It's a great time. (laughs) I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And um, thanks for being part of the spooktacular. So to uh, all my listeners I hope you enjoyed it thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next one I was looking in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight and my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise he did the match he did the monster match it was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It got on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. He did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match.